Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on February 5th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features an update on the battle between the governor and lawmakers over when teachers should be vaccinated. We get an economic update from Dr. Joey Von Nessen and hear about how vaccination efforts are going on the ground in the Lowcountry. We also get an update from DHEC on its vaccine plans and much more. Did I mention the Russ McKinney is in this episode? He is, folks. He is. All right. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from you all about your daily life in these difficult times. Leave us a one to three minute long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and what's going on in your neck of the woods. 803-563-7169. And a special thank you to everyone who attended our our lead Zoom happy hour. It was virtual, but it was still some real fun. It was some real fun. Really loved it. We'll have to do another one soon. And hopefully we'll get back on the road soon, come visit different spots across the state and do our live tapings. But until then, we'll be here for you every Tuesday and Saturday. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained. According to Department of Health and Environmental Control data, there have been 6,770 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 408,787 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of February 5th at 5 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 11.2%. Sounds encouraging, right? Well, we have more on why that number is so low in our medical section, so stay tuned. There are currently 1,637 patients hospitalized with COVID-19, 368 are in intensive care, and 232 are on ventilators. And we have some more data for you. The Post and Courier reported on February 3rd that a report generated by the White House Coronavirus Task Force each week still slots the state third in percent positivity. And for the second week, the White House's report put South Carolina at number two in the country for new COVID-19 cases behind only Arizona reflecting data for the last week of January. The state is fourth in new deaths and seventh in hospitalizations. And this was courtesy of MK. Thank you for the reporting down there at the PNC, MK. And Johns Hopkins reports that the average daily doses administered of the vaccine fell sharply over the past several days, down from a high of 1.4 million doses per day on January 30th to 892,946 on February 3rd. That's a decrease of 36%. There was a lot happening at the State House this week. There always is, of course. But this focused around DHEC's handling of the vaccine rollout, where teachers fit into the plan, and the desire to get back to five-day-a-week in-person instruction. The fight pitted the governor against the legislature in a battle that will continue to play out over the coming days, and we'll keep you up to date on how it goes. Yeah, sure, I could have put together a great package for you on this, but... To give you the latest, I'm deferring to the Russ McKinney with his Statehouse Week report. That's right, the illustrious Russ McKinney in that wonderful voice. Take it away, Russ. 
The slow pace of COVID vaccinations across the state and the need to vaccinate teachers in an effort to get more students in classrooms reached a boiling point at the Statehouse this week. In the Senate, there was harsh criticism of DHEC, the state's public health agency, for its handling of vaccine distribution. Governor McMaster announced that beginning next week, persons 65 years and older will be authorized to join health care workers in receiving vaccinations. A resolution introduced in the Senate by Republican Majority Leader Shane Massey would direct the 70,000 teachers and school personnel who indicated they would take a vaccine be vaccinated over a 30-day period ahead of everyone else. And then all public schools would be required to go to five-day-a-week in-person instruction by March 22nd. If not, Massey said, another school year is in jeopardy of being lost. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to lose this academic year. We're about to lose the school year. If we wait another month, another six weeks before teachers are eligible to get their vaccines, and then we take another month after that for the vaccines to happen and schools to come back, we will have lost the school year. While a number of senators were directly critical of DHEC's vaccination program, a few were indirectly critical of Republican Governor Henry McMaster's leadership on the matter. Republican leader Massey said he felt the executive branch's failure to do its job is forcing the legislature to step in. If we want to do it, we're going to have to be the ones to direct it. They're not going to do it on their own. The governor's not going to do this. If this is going to happen, it's going to come from us. Governor McMaster wasted little time in calling the Senate plan a bad idea. And we are not going to take a single vaccination away from those who are likely to die from this virus to give to someone who is not likely to die from the virus. It would be unethical and immoral to do that. McMaster, who strongly supports schools being open full time, said moving school personnel ahead of those 65 years and older for vaccinations would be throwing a monkey wrench into the state's current vaccination plan. The Senate this week gave tentative approval to a House-passed bill that okays over $200 million to ramp up vaccination efforts. The bill ensures that vaccines are distributed equitably across the state. There's been plenty of legislative criticism of DHEC in its role in COVID testing and vaccinations. During much of the past year, the agency has been under an interim leader. The Senate this week confirmed Dr. Edward Summer, a career naval medical officer, as the new director of DHEC. During a confirmation hearing, Summer said DHEC's handling of some COVID issues might have been handled better. Some senators questioned him about the agency's mission of safeguarding the state's health and environment during times like a pandemic, when politics can come into play on policy decisions. Here's Summer responding to Orangeburg Senator Brad Hutto. And who do you think you answer to, the board or the governor or the people of South Carolina? Well, in the end, the people of South Carolina. Um, obviously, the board represents the people of South Carolina. There's one from each congressional district. So I certainly answer to the board. Uh, I would expect that uh, I would have very uh, open communication with the governor. And, and certainly, I, you know, what I promised the governor is there'll be no surprises from DHEC. Uh, he will know what we're going to do, uh, as he should. Uh, but in the end, I, I work for the people of South Carolina. A bill pending in the Senate calls for the restructuring of DHEC. It would separate the giant agency along its public health and environmental quality missions. Almost 50 years ago, the legislature combined those two functions, which led to the creation of the Department of Health and Environmental Control. 
It's been too long since we've heard that voice on this pod. Thanks, Russ. That spared me from having to put something together that wouldn't have been nearly as good. Well, maybe. In some other statehouse activity of note this week, House lawmakers sent H3609 to the Senate. That's a bill that provides $50 million for teachers' step increases for the current school year. The so-called fetal heartbeat bill made its way through a House subcommittee this week and will be taken up by the entire House Judiciary Committee on Tuesday, where it's expected to be sent to the House floor. The Senate Finance Committee advanced a bill to authorize borrowing of up to $550 million to create near-dock railroad infrastructure at the Port of Charleston. Money is cheap to borrow right now, and the Ports Authority said the move, proposed years ago, would help keep the bustling port competitive. It's now on the Senate calendar. The Senate will also continue to debate on the $208 million COVID vaccine relief bill next week, as well as the measure dealing with putting teachers in front of older, at-risk populations for the vaccine. Also looking ahead to meetings of note scheduled for next week, as of right now, this Friday we're taping. On Monday at 2 p.m., there's a Senate Finance Committee Santee Cooper Review and Policy Subcommittee hearing. On Tuesday around 2.30 p.m. is the full House Judiciary Committee hearing on the fetal heartbeat bill. And at 3 p.m., a Senate Finance K-12 Education Subcommittee on the teacher step increase funding and charter school district funding. On Wednesday around 1 p.m., there is a House Judiciary General Laws Subcommittee hearing on the open carry bill. Now, you can find all of this and so much more at scstatehouse.gov. It's seriously the best site, especially if you're into all this stuff. You can look through the journals, you can check out the calendars, you can watch session and meetings, and maybe find out who represents you if you don't know. It's all there, scstatehouse.gov. I basically live there. On This Week in South Carolina, I spoke with Dr. Joey Von Nessen. He's a research economist at the Darlamore School of Business at the University of South Carolina. Our conversation focused heavily on the labor situation facing the state and country, including our unemployment rate that has been creeping up lately. Our economy is continuing to recover, both at the U.S. and the South Carolina levels. So when we look locally here, we're continuing to progress. The unemployment rate now at 4.6% in South Carolina. And it's that slow and steady recovery that we've been seeing all throughout the fall and and into the winter. But the recovery has also been very dichotomous, meaning that if you look at all sectors in South Carolina, except for leisure and hospitality, basically the service sector, we're doing very well and we're almost fully recovered. Employment levels now are within a percentage point of where they were this time last year. But if we look at leisure and hospitality, if we look at that that service sector, it's still down about 17%. And in 2021, we're not gonna see full recovery of leisure and hospitality until we get the vaccine distributed. And so that's really what we're looking towards as we we move ahead. Recovery in South Carolina at this point really means recovery of leisure and hospitality because most other sectors have have recovered and are doing well. And when we talk about the unemployment situation, we have seen it tick up slightly. I think numbers in October were 4.2%. They started going up in November, 4.4. Now December was 4.6. Is that discouraging news? Do you see that as a longer-term trend? Or how do you place those numbers when we look at our state unemployment rate? 
I see that more as a temporary trend because we did see the number of COVID cases go up after Thanksgiving and, and after Christmas. We saw lower seasonal hiring patterns relative to what we're, what we're used to seeing in more normal economic times. So this is more of a seasonal shift and a result of the, the, the winter increases in the COVID cases. And it was largely concentrated, again, in the leisure and hospitality sector. And Joy, you mentioned stimulus. We keep hearing about discussions about stimulus at the federal level. President Joe Biden discussing $1.9 trillion for this. I'm wondering um, what you think about the need for that. I also heard from, you know, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell saying that inflation's not anywhere near a dangerous level at this point. We're not even meeting their 2% benchmark at this point. Are you concerned about additional money floating around? And do you think that we need another stimulus? Well, I think there's broad consensus among economists that, that yes, we, we do need additional stimulus. The economy is still hurting. Uh, there's some disagreements, of course, about what that stimulus should entail. But I think at the, at the bare minimum, which is part of the package, uh, it needs to include more assistance towards businesses that are not able to open and are in, in distress, particularly small businesses. So that would expand the, the PPP programs uh, that have been in place. Also aid to unemployed workers that particularly in the industries like leisure and hospitality in South Carolina, that uh, simply there's no demand for those uh, those jobs right now. And so they're in a, in, in a bad position in that, that industry. And then of course, all of the, the funding going towards uh, supporting the, the vaccine rollout. So I think those three elements are the most important uh, right now. And again, the whole goal is to provide a bridge from where we are today until we get that vaccine, vaccine rollout. But I think we're looking at fairly flat growth, particularly in leisure and hospitality for the next few months. Um, and so this will help us, uh, help us navigate those waters until we, until we see some improvement. And Joey, as part of that uh, stimulus plan by the president, uh, which is still, you know, there's many phases to it. There's one part of it about increasing the minimum wage, the federal minimum wage to $15 an hour. Um, tell me a little bit about your research, your understanding about how that could affect businesses in South Carolina. I don't know the extent of your research into the minimum wage, but uh, from what you've seen, there's a lot of research out there, good and bad. Uh, how do you think that could affect the state if that was to go in effect? Yeah, that's a great question. I, th I think when we talk about the minimum wage, the, the term we have to always keep in mind is trade-off. It's really all about trade-offs and making certain uh, people better off. Uh, certainly, if, if they see a raise at work, that's going to make them better off, but it has the possible risks of the increases associated with, with labor costs because businesses have to absorb those costs and they can either do that directly or they can increase the price of their of their products or they can reduce the amount of hiring or the hours worked for their uh, for other employees so it can make certain employees better off at the expense of others and that really depends on the business on the industry and on the region that we're looking at i think in south carolina what we're seeing now as we talked about before with the leisure and hospitality sector really the ones still hurting right now if you look at the uh, the average wage levels, particularly in the uh, food and service industry, so for food and service workers, it's about $9 an hour right now. So that would be a significant cost increase for businesses in the leisure and hospitality industry, moving that minimum wage up. And I, I am concerned about in 2021, with that industry currently in distress, tacking on an additional uh, labor labor. Uh, cost increase, basically. That's really a, a kind of a double whammy for them in, in 2021. So that would be a, a, a challenge for, for them. Uh, but again, every industry is different and, and it affects different industries in different regions very differently.
Thanks, Joey. Always a very informed and important source we speak with. And you can watch that entire episode on South Carolina ETV's YouTube page at youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And as we leave you, have you heard about the aluminum can shortage? Well, one has been underway since the summer following the evaporation of keg sales led to beer being diverted into cans, the preferred vessel for Americans discerning beer pallets. Mm. Now, to be clear, it's not an aluminum shortage, though you should be recycling, folks. Just do it. I don't know who doesn't. It's just massive demand for the cans. Now, if any of our local brewers have suffered from this shortage, give us a shout at 803-563-7169. Very interested to hear from you about this or just how things are going. And please tell me that Charlestown Fermentary and Seminar Brewing are doing okay. Please, 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 please. And if you you have no ability to can the beer, please let us know at the lead. We will make sure uh, appropriate authorities are notified and take that uh, fermented goodness off your hands for your charge. Now, you may recall in Russ's segment, yes, from earlier, about DHEC getting a new director. Well, we have some more details for you on Dr. Edward Simmer. On Thursday, the state Senate confirmed Simmer as the new chief of DHEC, the sprawling state agency that handles not only the pandemic, but a variety of environmental and regulatory matters in the state. The agency has had an interim director for eight months while a nationwide search was underway, and the board chose Simmer. He's a Cleveland native and most recently served as a captain in the U.S. Navy, where he held several leadership positions, including as a chief medical officer for the TRICARE Health Plan and commanding officer and CEO at the Naval Hospital in Oak Harbor, Washington. He has more than 25 years of experience and a strong track record of transforming large healthcare systems. And in keeping with our trend of using already pre-produced packages for this episode, this episode being taped the afternoon after our happy hour, South Carolina Public Radio's Victoria Hansen has this important report on how the vaccine rollout is going on the ground in Mount Pleasant. Seniors move with ease through a drive-through COVID vaccination site in a Lowcountry church parking lot. Here, under tents, pharmacists load syringes, drawing every drop of the Pfizer vaccine from tiny vials. When you get down to the bottom of the vial, it's a lot of pressure. Then nurses nearby quickly get shots into eager arms. Pinch. All done. All done. The vaccination site is like an assembly line, a well-oiled machine. If only making an appointment to get here was as easy. It takes sometimes hours and hours to get one appointment because you have to keep refreshing and hoping a spa opens up. Jennifer Champy has been staring at her computer for days trying to help seniors, like her mom, sign up to get vaccinated. Champy knows what it's like to navigate the health care system alone. She has a rare, life-threatening disease. She says the system to sign up for vaccines is complicated, even more so for seniors. Many know little about computers, smartphones, or email. My heart is shattered for all the people that I think of that don't have the connections of even knowing someone that knows someone that knows how to do it. Champy has been working hard to make appointments for dozens of seniors in her Sun City community. Some, she says, desperately need surgery, but have to wait until they are vaccinated. She scours the Internet 
even sets up multiple email accounts in her name for seniors just so they can register. It's tedious and time-consuming, but finally she gets appointments for everyone. And then when I did, Buford canceled them all. <laughs> so that was not so great. Kurt Gambla is the chief medical officer at Buford Memorial Hospital. Yeah, it's frustrating for the patients. It's frustrating for us as well, again, because we try to um, schedule based on what we think uh, we will have. He says yes. The hospital recently had to cancel 6,000 appointments because officials thought they would have more vaccine than they did. The hospital has reached out to the State Department of Health and to Pfizer. It now knows it can count on roughly 1,400 vaccine doses a week. But is that enough, especially now that the governor has expanded eligibility to those 65 and older? And what about new variants that have been found? Mutations of the virus said to spread more easily. Eventually, we will get the vaccine in everybody's arm that needs it. Um, But I I think for the foreseeable future, there is going to be a backlog. There's going to be more people scheduled and more people wanting it than we have in any given week. In the meantime, Gambler recommends people continue to wear masks and socially distance. It's, it's hard, and I know everybody's doing the best they can, but our seniors are our most prized possession, or they should be, and they should be taken care of better than better than this. Champy says she has since found new appointments for her growing group of seniors, although some are as far out as April. She encourages others to volunteer and help seniors who are struggling, like her mother once did. It's been crazy with my friends. They just have no knowledge. It's all rumors. Like somebody will say, oh, I think you have to do this or I think you have to do that. Charlene Powers lives with her daughter, whose life-threatening illness has compromised her immune system. The 80-year-old worries more about getting her sick. She says she misses being with friends but knows what she wants to do first once she and her daughter are fully vaccinated. So I'm, I'm looking very forward to going to church. That's my, my dream. Until the pandemic, Power says she hadn't missed a day of church in 50 years. Thanks, Vic. Always great to hear your reporting. And you can find it on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Now, as we know, those aged 65 to 69 will be able to begin scheduling vaccine appointments Monday, February 8th. Yay, Jay Jackson, go get your shot. I'm sure he's going to, not worried. But Nick Davidson, DHEC's Senior Deputy of Public Health, gave the media an overview of just how big Phase 1A is and where things stand. So when we look at the current supply uh, and the current demand of vaccines, we have to consider what those total populations are for each phase. Uh, And of course, we still have many people who have not even yet made appointments for vaccine. So when we include those aged 65 to 69 who will be able to make appointments starting Monday, that means that approximately an additional 309,000 more residents who haven't yet even had the opportunities to a schedule appointment will be made available that opportunity. We're currently in phase 1A, and the current phase 1A estimated total population of those that fall into phase 1A uh, is nearly 1.3 million individuals. And recall a minute ago, I said that we've had only approximately 373,000 individuals who have been vaccinated. We're clearly working with providers across the state on steps to expedite access to additional South Carolinians, including teachers and others, in Phase 1B. 
our ability to increase access is based on the use of vaccines, the number of appointments made, um, and the information on vaccine supply that is changing routinely. Yeah, that's a lot. And so to elaborate more on Russ's reporting, what does this mean? Should teachers be put in front of others under the Senate Joint Resolution S-516? Davidson explains. It will be really important, regardless of what the General Assembly chooses to do here, to make sure that schools are working, and school districts, I really should say, I suppose, are working on plans with local providers. I think the world of teachers, I have three teachers in my immediate family, so I certainly understand their desire for, for vaccination, and, and the more people we can protect, uh, you know, the better off we'll be. Um, at this moment, vaccine supply is is incredibly limited as those numbers I, I just mentioned hopefully illustrate. So there is no additional vaccine to supply to that effort and would supply sufficient numbers for that effort alone. Um, I believe there are well over 100,000 um, teachers and critical support staff in the schools around the state. So there is no one pot of vaccine that could be made available to immediately take care of those individuals. So uh, there certainly is the likelihood that if additional individuals like teachers and, and critical support staff were brought into 1A, that it would mean that they would be trying to get that vaccine at the same time as those currently in 1A are getting it. Uh, or if potentially as the legislation is currently written, we would need to vaccinate all of those individuals within 30 days of the passing of, of uh, the legislation. Um, that could certainly mean that some individuals um, that we might not be able to distribute vaccine to some locations that we now distribute to, and we would have to reallocate that vaccine to teachers. So his comments meandered a little bit, but if you read through it, it sounds like it could be a mess. And bear in mind, it's not like all teachers and staff will be vaccinated. According to a Department of Education survey, around 60% said they'd take the vaccine if offered. We'll have more comments from State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman on Tuesday's episode. And for a little vaccine update, Johnson & Johnson has applied for an emergency use authorization from the FDA for its coronavirus vaccine. The company released data last week showing it was about 66% effective in protecting against the virus. Now, you can't directly compare it to the Pfizer and Moderna efficacy rates because this is just a single shot and the trials were taking place when variants and more cases were prevalent. And a big question during Thursday's happy hour was the percent positive calculation changed by DHEC. I rolled through it pretty quick, but I wanted to reiterate it here. That DHEC said on Tuesday, it changed the way the percent positive rate is calculated for COVID-19 cases. The change will allow South Carolina percent positive calculations to be more easily compared to those used by federal entities, including the CDC. DHEC is now reporting percent positive using the tests over tests method. Percent positive is now calculated by dividing all positive COVID-19 tests by the total number of COVID-19 tests, including positive and negative, and then multiplying the result by 100 to get a percent. Now, previously, DHEC had been calculating percent positive using the people over test method. That required dividing the number of people with positive results by the number of people who had taken tests overall, which included positive and negative results. Now, with this change, DHEC said the public will notice a big drop in the number representing percent positive. 
That does not mean the level of spread in the community has decreased. Percent positive will appear to be lower only because it is calculated differently. And we're going to leave you with some sobering news. I hate to do that, but it's important. So we know of the COVID variants, the South African, the UK, and the Brazil ones. But now researchers have discovered a mutation at a site on the virus RNA called E484K, also known as EEK. The Washington Post reports that the mutation alters the structure of the virus's spike protein, that's the target for vaccines and many naturally produced antibodies. The mutation may help the virus elude detection and make neutralization by the human immune system less efficient. Now, this mutation has been around for a while, but with the rise of the variants, it's getting some more attention. And now, now you know. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us how you're handling things. If you've signed up to get the vaccine, if you've been vaccinated, if you're working with others to help them sign up, tell us. We want to know how it's going. We know it's a lot of moving parts out there dealing with all this stuff. So let us know your story, your journey, 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from. And just a little, little this, little that. 803-563-7169. AT, do we have any voicemails? I know we do, right? We're still working through a backlog, perhaps? It's not a backlog. It's a good problem to have that we have log. voicemails. It's I a mean, good problem to have, Log. Just, just because we have them doesn't mean we don't want you guys still calling. I, uh, I, I truly cherish hearing your guys' voices, okay? I'm not against it. I'm just calling it what it is. Gavin it's a good problem log. So it's a good bad problem on log. you guys when you guys aren't around. So I mean, but uh, when these uh, mics go off, it's just a torrent. Oh, it's he drags you guys. But uh, uh, we're gonna double dip today. We're gonna double Ooh. dip. Yeah, one is a uh, uh, one is pretty normal, and the other one is a repudiation of both of us. Oh Jesus! Yes, love it. Uh, TGIF. TGIF. Get on the mic. Get on. Get okay. on the mic. Get on the mic. Okay, let's listen to this. Here's our first call. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, caller. Hey there, my name's Jeff. I'm an 18-year-old senior in uh, Charleston County. I figured, you know, you see on the news all the time what they're talking about, uh, the government's response, you know, the COVID response to uh, the schools. I figured I'd talk a little bit about what it's actually like living through all that. So obviously I spent uh, the last semester of last year uh, pretty much in lockdown doing school all online which was an absolute mess considering nobody expected it to last this long. They uh, sent us home for two weeks and said, hey, you know, we'll be back soon. And uh, then I never saw my teachers again. Uh, this year has been a little bit more organized, although it's pretty strange how they do it. Uh, at least in Charleston County, they are so you could choose whether you wanted to come back or be virtual. Uh, I chose in person. And then they did a lottery. So uh, in the first couple weeks, they only took 10% of my class. Then it went 20, 30, 40. I think right now we're sitting at 60% capacity. And they haven't increased that in a long time. So, um, and I know that, like, I've had to talk to the nurses for a couple different things. And, and they said that a lot of the cases aren't really being transmitted in our, throughout the school. It's mostly other people getting sick outside the school, which is interesting. Um, extracurriculars have pretty much not been a thing for a while. Uh, at the beginning of the year, you were able to get away with it, but now they have clamped down on doing literally anything, um, which is strange why they even wanted us to come back in person. 
considering my day consists of walking into a classroom, sitting down on my desk, uh, of course, socially distanced between, you know, six feet between me and anybody else. Uh, got the plexiglass in front of me, and I opened up my computer and joined my teacher's online class uh, for just like everybody else who does it at home. So that's a firsthand account of the South Carolina response to COVID in the education system. Anyway, I enjoy listening to the podcast. I appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next week. Jeff, wow, that was great insight right there. Love that. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, yeah, really, um, I bet that gets pretty monotonous, too. And bummer because it's obviously, I guess he said he's 18, so it's definitely his senior year, I would assume. Senior year, yeah. Um, yeah, you just kind of think about all the things these guys are missing out on. It's such a bummer to hear. You know, it's just difficult. Especially, it's one of the best you know, years of your, of, mm-hmm. your, of your life, senior year of high school, when you're the, you're the big dog on campus. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> big dog. I mean, and then, you, I mean big they, dog. and then, of course, you think back to our... our friends that are now freshmen that you know they've lost their their whole senior year pretty much last yeah, go around so it's rough uh but thank you for that jeff it's really interesting keep us updated uh and then thanks for listening being a well-connected 18 year old listening to the to news listen. yeah, yeah. Are, are, are we, we want to cool? be like are your friends talking about us <laughs> like what are, i mean i'm glad that we broke we broke into you know like this age bracket here but yeah. uh uh i'm interested to know what the kids are saying and if we're saying things correctly yeah <laughs> God, why we... Along those lines, our next, <laughs> yes. our, our double dip. Yes. Um, I haven't listened to it. I've only read it, so we'll see the tone that he took. But this is this is from Logan, oh, uh, well, our, our basement boy. We'll take it with okay. a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. Well, he he seemed pretty happy with you. So let's see. <laughs> Hi, Gavin and At. This is Logan from Columbia, longtime listener, fourth time caller. I'm actually calling a fact check. Somebody that called in from Greenville last week, um, three weeks ago now, I'm catching up on the pod, that said uh, she was a huge fan of Gavin, um, also me too, um, you know, she she remarked that the both of you guys were quite handsome, and uh, I, I have to call in and fact check this, while Gavin, solid 9 out of 10, face and body boy, uh, AT, AT pulling down a solid 7 on looks alone, maybe the personality swing is at a 9, you know, golf attributes included. But, you know, I, I wouldn't push him past a seven on sight alone, especially with his hair the way that it is. Maybe if he grows a Mario mustache, maybe. Well, uh, that, Logan, thank you for calling in for that. Uh, I do hope that I also have a personality. Uh, apparently, I'm just a face and a body to some yeah, people. Yeah, he's really objectifying <laughs> you. Yeah, big time. <laughs> But uh, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying. Incredibly rude. I completely oh, rude. <laughs> rude, 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 rude. But how funny was that last night, At? Uh, that people got to see you for the first time. A lot of people don't know what you look like. Well, um, a lot of our also a lot of our friends haven't seen that you. In a do while. know what I? Yeah. They haven't seen me in a year. And normally, I have a buzzed head. <laughs> yes. And I've had a buzzed head the whole time anyone has ever met me. And now my hair is long, and it was Boy a topic. Band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a Bieber Bob baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, very yeah, frat it, it bro. A, <laughs> I look like I lacrosse, uh, but but I, I I hate lax. So both of not, my brothers my style. were lax bros. I have lax yeah. bros. Uh, I've I, seen I your whole play. family's hair. I'm not surprised. Yeah, there was. A, I mean, yeah, the shag was big in in high school. Actually, we couldn't have our hair uh, go over our like collar. Private school mm. and couldn't go over your ear. Couldn't go over your eyebrow. So I every time I got a haircut, I was like right to the line of everything. Yeah, and that's why I grew it out to shoulder length when I got to college because. 
A, I hate getting my hair cut. Rebelling. B, probably some sort of rebellion. C, you got to just grow it out once, you know, like you're doing. You're living your life That's right what now. I'm doing. It's the first time. Yes. First time. I'm surprised it all came back. I, I, I am surprised, for real. It's thinner than it was, but... Keep he, oh, if you got it, keep it, baby. Yeah, and yeah. you're seeing the silver in there too, right? So this is welcome, oh, silver welcome to the party. Oh, I look uh, very distinguished. Yeah, I think folks. someone asked last night on the um, on the happy hour. I didn't get to it. The half life of my mustache, and that's a good yeah, question. That was, that was Bob Woodward. Bob, Bob Woodward, Woodward was there. <laughs> had yeah. a great background. We did not compliment his background. It was wonderful. <laughs> yes, the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist from Washington was on. Uh, yes. I don't know. I guess maybe this summer. I want to have a good solid summer with it, you know, and then... I wouldn't, uh, I would never get rid of it. I think it's 100% great. Well, it, it comes... I mean, I can grow it pretty quick. That's that's exciting to know, you know, that it can it can come back quickly. I would quickly. not get rid of it. I would make it bushier if I were you. A <laughs> little bit bushier. Because <laughs> right see. now you got you got like a, a, a short Selleck going. Oh, I think yeah. you need to go full Selleck. You know, that's I wish I we could have done need. the poll in the Zoom chat because we could have done a quick flash poll on the mustache. Just a quick yeah. read of the room. Yeah, agreed. You know, I, I would love to have ballot. a Mario mustache. I don't think I could pull it off. Secret ballot, just like what they did with, you know, Liz Cheney, you know, and all those guys, you know, secret ballot. Yeah. Tell us how you really yeah. feel, but we're going to say something <laughs> different, you know. I understand. Same with the mustache. People say this to me. Um, I think there's a new Axios Ipsos poll coming out on it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, and then also it's been <laughs> hidden behind, you know, the mask, of course, you know, it's, it needs yeah. it needs a good coming out party. <laughs> it, needs, it needs room to breathe. Yeah, it needed that holiday party that it couldn't get this, oh, this past. Year. Oh, we just, needed it. And uh, <laughs> folks, we're 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 going to be pretty transparent that both Gavin and I we're feeling it today. We we had a great time <laughs> hanging out with you guys on yes. the on the the, the Zoom happy hour, hour yeah. we had. That was I, I really had a great time. I can't tell you guys how much yeah, fun it good. is to interact with you. Like mm -hmm. it, it it is the best part about all this. Mm -hmm. it, it is a lot of fun. Great backgrounds, great comments. Yeah. Um, we had, I was living in the chat. Yeah. I was living in the chat. <laughs> loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Mainland of the chat. Yeah, I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I had a, a substantial martini to kick things off, and then, <laughs> uh, which uh, then had that beautiful Charlestown fermentary sun gazer that your wife so got good. me from Craft and Draft. Yeah. Crowler. How big are those crowlers? It's like two and a half pints or something yeah, like that. So that, that yeah, that got me going. And then I, I took, drank one of those, mm -hmm. and then I drank four, four or five too many yinglings. Yeah, so. you, you didn't have time you to live, fill You live, you learn. Yeah, you didn't have time to fill up your water bottle. You just grab you what live, you, you, learn. Learn. you You live, you learn. You lead, you laugh, you love. And you we em. do a prank. Got, got him. And em. we love you all. We loved hanging out with you guys. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a voicemail, 803-563-7169, or leaving us a review on iTunes. Stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org as well. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. Also, South Carolina Public Radio has the No Pledge Drive Pledge Drive going on right now, folks. It's happening as we speak. Get to a phone, get to a computer, pledge. You need to. We need your support. Tell them Gavin sent you. Now, I won't get you a free gift, but there are some great gifts available depending on the level you pledge. So, give until it feels right, folks. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. The name of my rock band. Uh, we are the Dulcet Tones. We're the Dulcet Tones. Uh, Hello, please, London. no cell phone photography in the auditorium.